This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Garlands of Grace and our supporters at patreon.com. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 12, 4. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bright Hearth. Lexi and Brian are here today. We probably ruffled some feathers last time I'm assuming <laughs> we're now here to ruffle some more feathers of the feminine kind. <laughs> yes. We, you know what, here at Bright Hearth, we cheerfully ruffle feathers. That's what we do. We do a cheer, right, babe? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Lexi, Hopefully. you may remember last week was a little bit under the weather as we recorded. And I regret to inform you that she still is a little under the weather because it's only been eight seconds since we recorded. We decided that to turn a profit on my illness and just record as much as we could yeah. because we have a baby coming. Yes, soon. <laughs> we do. We do. So we'll probably have a dark week or two here and then in the next few months. So bear with us. I know that you guys, you know, are always looking for that bright hearth Monday morning drop. Uh, and we'll try to keep that coming. But what are we talking about today, babe? We are talking about toxic matriarchy. Toxic matriarchy. And why do you think <clears throat> we need to talk? You know, last week we started by saying, why do we need to talk about toxic patriarchy? And we talked about red pill culture, trad that's trad culture that's disconnected from the, uh, you know, an actual biblical foundation. Why do we need to talk about toxic matriarchy? Well, I'm not entirely sure if if this was the angle you were going to take with this, but as um, I've grown in my understanding of like stewardship and dominion in the home over the last couple years, I have noticed that a lot of the resources that are solid, there's a lot of great Christian ones out there, but there's also a lot of feminist ones out there as well mm-hmm. that are wanting to grow in their sovereignty as they call it. Yeah because they're trying to fight the patriarchy in the medical industry, in the food industry, everywhere. So because of that, I feel like sometimes Christian women are really quick to jump on the practical because that's how God made us. He made us to create beautiful things with our hands, Mm -hmm. but we can be easily fooled if we're not being um, discerning, if that makes sense, Uh with our resources. So I have really seen a big uptake specifically in the last year surrounding this whole idea of like matriarchy rising is one that I've been seeing really building the matriarchy matriarchy rising festival total Mm. absolute witchcraft 100% so maybe some of it has been the Roe versus Wade stuff that's making this kind of come back up yeah I think this needs to be talked about because just like with patriarchy if we don't have a scriptural definition for what matriarchy is for yeah we're just duped all over again by the feminists. Mm. Yeah, that's, I think that's why. <laughs> so the default position, I think it, it's most of our listeners would probably find this obvious and already yeah. agree with this statement, but the default position that young women and young men as well are being given for what it looks like to be a successful woman who coming into womanhood is a, a default feminist view. So it's basically... Yeah, like totally independent. I don't need no man. Basically, your sexuality is your power. Mm-hmm. You are anything that a man can. I saw one recently that was anything you can do, I can do while bleeding. Oh and my it was, gosh. And it was like, really? You can bench three plates while on your menstrual cycle? And it's like, obviously not. Men and women are different. You can't do anything a man can do. There are things you can do men can't do. That's just how God made the world. So that's the default view that people are being handed as they grow up. And so there's a 
there's a vision for life that ends up being a toxically matriarchal world where you actually end up being ruled by school moms and uh, feminists and yeah. and HR Karens. and um, These feminists that I'm talking about would agree with what you're saying. They would uh-huh. say, yeah, science is so patriarchal that they're telling us we can do everything that a man can do, but we need to reclaim our matriarchy. Yeah. And, so there's a and it's very subtle and so I think it can be very dangerous for young women. Yeah, there's like in <clears throat> just like any uh movement that goes way too far one direction. Yeah. You have a reactionary movement that will rise up. Just like the Red mm-hmm. Pill movement was a reactionary movement to feminism and to gynocentrism. And so you see this kind of like men go their own way, MIG toe, yeah. Um pro strength, anti veganism, anti feminism. And I'm like, a lot of that's they're actually correct in their assessment of what the bad thing is. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, happens exactly. and you're saying this is happening in feminism where now there's a still non-Christian. Yeah. But it's integrating things like the uniqueness of femininity, leaning into the feminine mm-hmm. form, leaning into feminine sexuality, yes. leaning into fertility. Yes. Le- you know, and but all it ends up doing is making a new kind of toxic matriarchy. Kind of leaning into fertility. Okay. Except what do you mean? Because it, it is witchcraft. So so this matriarchy rising, don't go look it up, guys. I, I really had intended upon, I listened to a series of episodes from Cultish mm-hmm. that was really good about somebody who left, what did she call it? The sacred divine womanhood, I think, is what she called it. That is basically, it's like female sex worship weirdness. And then I... Charm, <clears throat> charming. Yeah, so... And then I came across this matriarchy rising thing. And that's where originally months ago, I was like, we need to talk about this because these are people that my friends are listening to. Um, not, mm. not like my friends, but like these are similar circles that yeah. we're all following and learning from. Yeah. Um, matriarchy rising festival. I started looking at the women who were teaching it. Some of them, one of them specifically is a lesbian who is spending okay. the year teaching on fertility so that she can prepare her body for pregnancy. Another one is a woman who is all about fertility and left her husband for another woman. One of them is all about teaching women how to have herbal abortions. So it's, and that's what I mean by they're about, they're about fertility on their own, uh, to their own definition of fertility. But if it crosses their, their definition of what being a woman is like, this isn't my season, then let's release the baby. Like, Ugh. evil. You guys, it, it is witchcraft and it is wicked and it is disgusting. And so I, <clears throat> I don't want to give those women like a place in, it just, it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I mean is like, their definition is still not a biblical definition of what a matriarch is. I, I used that verse from Proverbs at the beginning because I was thinking about Nancy Wilson's book. What did I? Is the, it the silver lining? The silver lining. Yeah. She does a really good job in there of looking at the Proverbs and showing like the Proverbs show that you can either be a woman who knows how to wear a crown well or a woman who is a curse to your family. And so when I look at this type of godless matriarchy, they want to build the matriarchy while they're murdering the matriarchy in their womb. <laughs> so but they're also trying to, f- it's because they're fighting the patriarchy at the same time and trying to reclaim this weird, like none of, none of the, uh, is it the telos that I'm thinking of? <clears throat> none of the end goal for them still goes back to glorification of the Lord. Yeah. 
So we're to be clear, listeners, we're not saying actually that there should be like the correct view is matriarchal. No. Right. No. Um, no. Because when you say that you're like when we say that the the biblical vision, the normative historical and biblical vision for the sexes is you could just call it patriarchal. It's father rule. Yeah. That that encompasses a view for both men and women. That's not just saying like here's what men should do. That's a vision for um, the home and the civil sphere in the church where you have um, husbands, head of their wives, leading their homes, men leading in the church, men as statesmen and city fathers. And then underneath that, you have women who are fulfilling their teleological ends as um, the the glory of man as and as crowns. the life giver yeah. and the crown and the adorning of mankind, and the glory of man, like all of those things. And that when those things work together in their God-given ends, there's joy and satisfaction and peace and safety and so there should be a kind of community of women where the older women are teaching the younger women how to be godly um, yeah. mothers in the home and how to be, you know, the mothers of generations and all those things. But that's still, we're not saying that it's like we're, we're aiming for like a matriarchal society. No. We're using that mainly because it fits so well polemically with the toxic patriarchy. Toxic well, and maybe thing, that's but. part of why the whole matriarchy thing is such a turnoff anyways, should be a turnoff to a Christian is yeah. because that's not ultimately the goal. So some of the things that we're talking about here, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when we say, how does femininity go wrong into toxic mm-hmm. matriarchy? One of the things we're saying is in this whole independent self-empowerment, even of the kind that doesn't make the error of modern feminism, yeah, but it makes a new kind of feministic error of like I'm gonna find my mystical self purpose, yeah, in my beautiful woman energy, and in my, and they mm-hmm. get into witchy stuff, and they get yeah. into like tarot cards, tarot and cards, astrology, and, yeah, yeah, and and the reason I think this is so dangerous is by default a lot of Christian women are not out there. I can't write books about this. I don't have time to write books about these topics. Yeah, but guess who has time? The they, feminists the have feminists time. Do, yeah. And so it can be, I had someone ask me for a resource recently and I was like, I really hesitate to recommend this because it's a feminist resource, but I pulled out all my books by Christian women. And I'm like, they're not addressing this topic at all. Yeah. And so that's why I think there are other, I can see toxic matriarchy in the church and we can talk about that next if you want. Yeah, let's talk but about I think this is something that as our daughters are getting older, we're going to have to be aware of like, yeah discipling them against this while still raising them up to be impressive women, like you said, that know how to treat a fever and don't need to rely on the feminists to tell them how, because mama told me how. Yeah. And so the first category here of toxic femininity or toxic matriarchy is witchy matriarchy. We, we might say this mystical feminist adjacent, but feminist rejecting in a way. Yeah. um, Female empowerment movement. That's going to be a trad movement responding to the excesses of feminism. Yes, So be careful of it. And I would say, like you just mentioned on this point, that one thing that we need to do, especially like in a Titus 2, older women teach the younger woman way, is that we need mothers who are able to teach their daughters things like how to understand their own body and fertility. We need Christians who are doing good work in the natural fertility and natural medicine world yeah. to fight against the big pharma, big government, statist kind of demonic world that, that's absolutely pushing death. Well, if we don't go into that space, what you're seeing is actually what will happen, which is the rise of mystical, witchy, feminist adjacent. Yeah. So, so it, like right now, 
in terms of actually learning the science or the, the practices, it's unfortunate that some of the resources that are doing the most work in the world of like fertility are from pro-abortion. Yeah. The question evil. I was asked specifically was what resource can I point someone to to understand the um, negative health effects of the birth control pill? And while a lot of Christian, maybe there is one out there that I just don't know of right now, but while a lot of Christian women in the books that I have talk about the um, pro-life aspect of it, they're not necessarily talking about the health effects of it. Now, obviously, as Christians, the pro-life issue seals the deal for me. Whether or not birth control is good for you, I don't care. I'm not going to use it. Neither should you. Um, But I I told them, I was like, the only people that are writing about the negative effects of your health are the feminists. Yeah. So, and again, honestly, part of that I think is, I think this is all contrived because of Roe v. Wade. Again, it's convenient for them now to talk about the ill health effects of it because of Roe v. Wade. And now we have to know how to have herbal abortions because of that. Mm, Yep. So I, I think it's been known for a long time, but because it, uh, is expedient to their agenda. Now they're going to talk about it more. And that could be part of why Christian women haven't been talking about it too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think so, you're right. I'm not, I am, this is not like, I am not down on the Christian women because people ask me all the time, when are you going to put out more resources? And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm teaching my daughter how to do this. Yeah. That's <laughs> my goal is that maybe she'll put out a resource one day. Yeah. That is not, that really is not my first priority. Yeah, Absolutely. This episode of Bright Hearth is sponsored by Garlands of Grace, which is a wonderful Christian company that offers a variety of very versatile head coverings, head wraps, and headbands for sale for women and girls. They're very versatile. Uh, You know, whether you're head covering for uh, 1 Corinthians 11 reasons or just looking for a pretty and feminine head covering, they've got you covered. Babe, why do we like Garlands of Grace? I really liked Garlands of Grace because when I was first trying to um, recover this call to head cover, I didn't necessarily want something that was super trendy and that everyone else was doing. Um, and I found their pieces really feminine and timeless in a way that uh, just a lot of other coverings that you could pick up at Target or on Amazon just weren't. And they are very quality. And if you are a mom trying to cover in a pew with wiggly children, you know how hard it is to actually keep a head covering on. Yes. And I really like their volumizer brand, uh, bands that are velvet and they stick to your head and I have had no issues with them. So yeah, I really like them. And they're a sister-owned company. Yeah, Christian-owned, sister-owned, and they're all made in the USA. So a great company to support. We would uh, commend you, husbands, if you're listening, go check this out as a thoughtful gift for your wife, or your daughters. They have head wraps for uh, ladies as well as little girls. And they've got a whole lot of different styles, a lot of different beautiful colors, and a really great quality company. So we're glad to have them as a sponsor for this episode of Bright Hearth. And uh, you can support us by supporting them. So head over to garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode, and we hope that you'll give them your support. You mentioned another heading here yes. under toxic matriarchy, and that's toxic matriarchy in the church. What did you mean by that? <laughs> um, I've interacted with a number of women that are genuinely very smart and capable women, and they just rule their homes. And the lame part of it <clears throat> is, you know, these women are very oftentimes very kind about the way they're talking about their husband, 
while at the same time saying he's just not very smart and can't make these decisions. So I have to, this realm belongs to me. And obviously you guys know that we're not against women being, um, taking responsibility in the home, being Mm -hmm. given authority in the home. But at the same time, these women are unreasonable when it comes to allowing other husbands, not husbands, other men to speak into their life. So you see this, like you see it kind of in the older boomer generation where they're a little less clear on gender roles. So it's Mm -hmm. like the women's ministry is the thing that rules their family. And if the wife can't find a church that does her ministry, they won't go to church anywhere. Yeah. Um, or the woman is, she's such a strong teacher that we just have to find an outlet for her to teach in. Meanwhile, her family is like a complete wreck. So that's the other side of it is like this woman who is genuinely gifted in some way, but she is still not using her gifting according to the Lord's purpose for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can get this kind of like, we've talked about it before, where a lot of the time churches mistakenly establish as their women's ministry what functionally turns into a quasi-female eldership. Yeah. Where they believe the lie that unless women teach doctrine to women, that nobody will teach the women doctrine. Yeah. So they believe that they have to set up Beth Moores, and they have to, and even if they're Beth Moores with good theology, like they have to set up women to teach the Bible study class for women. They have to set up women to teach the, you know, all of the systematic theology, and they need the midweek class that's led by women to teach all, all of these systematic doctrinal sort of things. And um, you can you can very quickly end up establishing a quasi female eldership, where you you functionally teach the lie that God gave men to pastor the church but those Mm -hmm. men can really only pastor the men. And the reality is God gave men to pastor the church, and that means that they pastor both men and women. Yeah. The the male elders of the church are the ones charged with teaching doctrine, guarding doctrine. And so what are the women explicitly called to teach in the church? And it's older women teach the younger women to be workers at home, lovers of their husband, so that the word of God may not be reviled. Just go read Titus 2. And um, so we see that the primary, this doesn't mean that women are never involved in instructing doctrine anywhere at any time. Like moms are, moms need to be equipped in good doctrine yeah, so that they can perform the duties of being a mother who's, so you can say, don't forsake the wisdom of your mother. Yeah, correct. Of course. And so that she can, um, you know, counsel the the other woman, her friends and be a good and godly woman and friend. You, You need that for sure. But it, it becomes a toxic matriarchy, when we, and we've all we've all heard of it, or many of us have experienced it, where churches are actually de facto led by a committee of women who rule over everything. Yeah, and they and, and their word goes, and they know how to manipulate, and they know how to politic, and they know how to basically smush all of the men around them into doing whatever they want. Well, and I think too, I'll give an example of my own life. You did not grow up homeschooled; I did. That's right. So in my mind early on in marriage, education was kind of my thing. And you, I think rightfully so, had delegated that responsibility to me and you trusted me. So what ended up happening was when you wanted to give advice in multiple areas, I thought, who is he to tell me? I'm the one that's read the books. (laughs) I'm the one that was homeschooled. 
Who is he to tell me? Long, long ago, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and I've seen this in other people where it's like <clears throat> women just won't let their husband speak into a certain area of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely wrong. Even if, even if your husband is wrong in the long run, why not just be nice and listen to him? Why, yeah. why be yeah. a huge turd butt about it? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and just to be clear, Brian and I are, I mean, I could jokingly tell you respectfully, nah, and we could talk it out and it was fine. Oh, and yeah, I submitted we, and you we were right. About <laughs> but, um, but there are other women that it's like, absolutely not because this is my feminine domain and you get out of here. Yeah. Like they take that whole, I do have a real authority in my domain of being a, a worker at home and we go despot. And then they end up saying like, basically, so husband, just shut up. Get out of here. Like for ex- another one could be the dinner table. Like, and now yep, we're talking yep, about, yep, now yep. we're talking about toxic matriarchy at home, basically um, <laughs> where you have the dinner table. She's like, no, this is, this is what it means for my family to eat healthy. And I'm not even going to give a specific, it could be anything. It could be <laughs> vegan all the way to, you know, the stuff that we're into. Like it could be Weston price and whatever, just Ray Pete. And it d- doesn't even matter. Let's say. And then, he, and then he comes home and he's like, Hey honey, um, I don't like this food. I'm consistently not wanting to eat dinner at home <laughs> and tempted to get a burger. Can you make me a meatloaf <laughs> or whatever it is that would violate your food law? And yeah. she says, absolutely not. I will not feed my family such slop. Well, and again, it does come <laughs> back to matriarch. the woman being the one who is creating the laws. She's creating the standards. She's not letting scripture create those standards. <laughs> Yeah, she's not she's not submitting to her husband and she's not seeking to serve, she's seeking to rule. And um that will not end well. So you do see toxic matriarchy in the home in these ways. Health is another area where you you can quickly end up being a naggy wife who shortens the life of everybody around you in 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 the name of keeping them all healthy so that they can leave, <laughs> lead long and happy lives. <laughs> you actually make their they, they're wishing for a shorter life because they have to spend it with you. <laughs> you you don't want that's toxic matriarchy. Um, you see this in homes where the wife there is nothing the husband can say that will not be met with argumentation from the wife. No matter what, I mean, it could be it could be as simple as he's telling an anecdote at a store at, at a party, and she has to interrupt and correct what day it happened on, yeah. or what he was some minor detail of the story. You see it with um, like homeschooling too. Yeah, homeschooling curriculums <clears throat> and like there's almost any area that it could be. Um, but whether we're talking about toxic matriarchy in the witchy world, yeah, or we're talking about toxic matriarchy in the church or toxic matriarchy in the home, they they share common characteristics where they basically take the telos of the feminine mm-hmm. and they subvert it yeah. and they turn it into, they kind of transmogrify it into the telos of the man in a way that doesn't actually end up working or serving anybody. So the women end up miserable and so do the men and so do the children because it's just not the way that God designed for her or the world to be. Yeah. It just doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> I kind of derailed us here. I think there's more... In the church world, the toxic matriarchy in the church, mm-hmm. um, what are some other ways that you've seen that show up or some other things that maybe we could, uh, our listeners could be on the lookout for in their own heart or in, you know. <laughs> Complementarianism. 
Ooh, that was spicy. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I think I know what you mean. I'm not comfortable using the term complementarian. And maybe a lot of people might not have looked into this. I do think Eric has a great, I think it was a blog post, or maybe he did a transcript of the episode where yeah. he talked about the origins, even from Grudem and Piper on why they coined the term complementarian. Right, yeah. Um, and it was because they were, and they said this in, what was that big book? We have it. Uh, recover, recovering, recovering Manhood and Biblical Manhood, biblical manhood and Womanhood. Um, they were rejecting hierarchical language. Okay, so in my mind, in some ways, complementarianism is more sneaky than overt witchcraft then. Yeah, one of the problems <clears throat> with complement, and if you're, if you're like, I'm complementarian, and what I mean is God created men and women to complement one another, yeah. or in the husband, I just you know, think they shouldn't be using all that, of that. word. It's just, you, you need to understand that what you're using is a word that was used in reaction to egalitarianism and in like the last yeah. 40 or 50 years, okay? So it's a pretty new theological term, and that the, I'm much more comfortable with just saying patriarchy, because it's a it's a very old word that describes a very old Christian theological belief that is straightforwardly biblical and historical just because people don't like it because it gets abused or because there's egalitarianism and reaction to it doesn't mean we need a new word. No. And the, and the big thing that I have a problem with complementarianism, like you said, is that it ends up making, or at least it ends up in some applications of complementarianism, teaching that these differences are arbitrary yeah. instead of teleological and creational. In, to the depth that I think they are. So you also mm -hmm. see in complementarian circles, you're much less likely to find people say something like, God designed for men to take headship ruling roles in the home, the church, and the state. So they're much more likely to say like, yes, wives should submit to their husbands. Yes, male-only pastors. But, you know, like female congressmen, no big deal. You're much more likely to find that yeah. in complementarian worlds. And um, you also find that when you start asking the question of why ought a woman to submit to her husband, well, they'll say, yes, because God said that that should be. But then if you ask the question, well, why did God say that? A, pa a Christian patriarchy enjoyer, such as myself, <laughs> will just say, God created the man for this role of rule in the home, in the church, and the state, and so he fitted him for it. That meaning masculinity is particularly inclined and suited and fitted for rule, and fe and f and femininity is not created yeah. or designed or fitted for it. So if you tr it's you'll hear in complementarian circles this kind of trope a lot of the time, particularly from pastors who are preaching on why men should be pastors only and not women. They'll say something like, "Man, my wife or man, this other woman in the church, she could preach better than me." <laughs> Trust me, like it's not because she couldn't do a good job of it. It's just because God, you know, God said here that men should be pastors. And that's a cringe-worthy argument. Because the the actual reality is no, she could not do it better than a male pastor. Because especially when you back up and look at it holistically, God designed the man to have that role and he fitted him for it. And he did not do the same for the woman. So if you just arbitrarily mix them up, it's not as if the only reason that it's wrong that it wouldn't work is because God said no. God said no because of the way he made men and made women. And he made women and men that way for his own ends and purposes. So I also think it just leaves women completely undiscipled in churches like that. Um, because if there's no difference, then you can't address particular proclivities, sinful proclivities of men and women then. 
Yeah, because along with that, you see that there are sins common to men and sins common to women. We're talking about teleological creational yeah. realities here. So it, it, you, you, you actually end up throwing out quite a bit of anthropological foundations yeah. when you seed that ground. And, and to, to steal man, like I know a lot of complementarian people who still would say, I'm a complementarian, who would agree with everything I just said. Yeah. They, it's not that they don't exist. It's just that I think in general the movement has tended to produce this kind of thing that I just described and that it is, it is fundamentally reactionary and, and, and has a lot of novelty to it that we don't need. We can simply go back. Well, and I remember when I was, I've, I think I've referenced this a little bit, when I was talking with Jessica Thompson and Elise Fitzpatrick about this on Twitter years ago, the only people defending her were unbelieving egalitarians. And it was like, that was a huge red flag to me was like, even like, you don't even have other complementarians coming to your aid from within the church. All of the people defending you right now are people who are saying the word of God is not sufficient. And yeah, egalitarianism is a way to go. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and then I remember I was on, this was a long time ago. I was on staff with a magazine for years. And I remember I wrote an article about abortion and I wrote a few other articles specifically geared towards feminine sins after that. And I was told that I was no longer allowed to write on women's issues. Yep. And I remember thinking like, and this is a complimentarian magazine. I just remember thinking like, well, how are we supposed to help these ladies then? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're too hot button. Yeah. One thing you see in terms of the church world where you see a lot of toxic matriarchy is in the world of publishing because there are more Christians active, there are more women active in the Christian church globally than men. And there oh, are more yeah. Christian women in evangelical Christianity in the United States by a lot than men. And so who are the people who are buying the majority of published Christian, you know, Christian marketed books and podcasts and resources? It's women, not men. Yeah. Women consume far more Christian content than men do. Yeah. So what that does over time is it creates a temptation or a pull for publishers and writers and authors and pastors as well to make content that will, is saleable and marketable to women. That's a good point, yeah. It's attractive to women. So you end up with the pastors using more of a feminine-adjacent tone or you know, writers or books being published, and that's why you know, you're not allowed to publish those kinds of books anymore or publish those kinds of things yeah. anymore in that world because you're actually upsetting the marketing apple cart. Oh, totally. People are going to stop clicking on it if you if you well, <laughs> attack the female, the idolatry of women as gods. You remember I had that book deal with that, that small one publishing thing. house. Yeah, I do. Rem- I do remember. And that. they asked me to submit an outline along with uh, like a bibliography of my sources. Yeah, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> and they <laughs> emailed me back and were like, "We're so we're going to actually take the group of authors in a different direction next year, and you will not be included." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "The other huh, funny thing about okay. that was that." <laughs> I also am like writing and interested in that kind of thing. And they had no interest in publishing me because I was a man and they needed more women. Yeah. Yeah. It was like totally. a fully affirmative action thing. It, it was It had true. nothing to do with whether they thought I could write helpful things or not. The editor like, came and found me at an event and asked me <laughs> yeah. to make these women's ministry resources. And I did, I put a bunch of work into them and then it was like, they were like, no, okay. so it was too based. This is, and you know, honestly, this that is part of why ago, New Christendom is something that... Yeah, New Christendom Press. Like, we just kind of realized, I don't want 
I didn't want to compromise. I don't need a platform. Yeah, I no. don't want to compromise. Yeah. So yeah. we're doing our own thing instead years later, yeah. you know? Even the way we do this podcast is shaped by our conviction yeah. that Lexi is not primarily called <clears throat> to teach doctrine to the church. That's not her primary calling. That There are incidental things that are going to touch on this, but the main point of this podcast is living out and instructing, like, basically Titus II Christianity, yeah. where, you know, we can together work and address, but um, it, it's not like next season we're going to start doing a systematic theology class that Lexi's going to teach. No, <laughs> and, you know, with women's ministry, it's like you will find me teaching a class on something like sourdough or home organization just as yeah. much as you will find me leading a book group through historical Christian documents. Yeah. Like, it's not that we're turning our brain off then. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, our women are continually reading things together that are do highly doctrinal and historical. Very good stuff. And they're also leaning into, and how can we encourage one another to be workers at home? Yep. So all of these things live together and they work together. You get toxic matriarchy and toxic patriarchy in the church often when you completely err in one direction yeah. and you don't keep the center. And you don't keep your doctrine and your practice moored to the anthropological foundations of what a man is for and what a woman is for and how that works out in the home and the church and the state. Like you just, when you get off of those moorings and just start doing stuff that you think is going to be helpful, <laughs> you actually end up hurting a lot of people over time. Yeah. And so much of our Christian publishing world has been that. It's been saying like, oh, you know what would be, you know, it would really show the egalitarians that we love women too if we started propping up basically this class of female teachers. And, you know, and it, it, it's a slippery slope. Because it's only like two or three steps down to get to female pastors from there. And then from there, it's only a few steps down to full LGBTQ affirming and Unitarianism and Universalism. Yes, yeah, some of these platforms we left do now have female oh, yeah, preachers on stage. Yeah. So Yeah, they 100% they do. And um, it's predictable. It's, it's totally highly predictable. predictable. You know, so um, I, think, I think it actually about wraps it up, though, for this episode. I think so. Good little short one. So don't be witchy. Don't get into that stuff, ladies. Husbands, don't let your wife go down that path. So, you know, husbands, generally just kind of know who your wife is listening to on Instagram and um, reading. Just monitor that. I'm not saying like be a big brother, but you need to like protect your wife from really beautifully aesthetic Instagram accounts that peddle the doctrine of hell. Because there's many of them. Um. Can I just say one yeah, thing? I would like so many of these feminists are so ugly. I'm like, <laughs> I'm cutting that who out. I'm making that would a even get clip. you pregnant. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I'm not wow. kidding. Wow! I'll show you one. I'll show you one after this. I'm gonna play this clip for the boys <laughs> later. I'm gonna I think cut I it told, out. I'm gonna say Ben, okay, cut that clip out. It was and put it Eric on that I had this conversation with the other day, and I was like. I don't know who she thinks is going to get her pregnant, Eric, but she's giving advice on pregnancy. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me see if I yeah, can um, ex Externalized untruths always end up being ugly over a long enough time horizon because um, truth is, or untruth is ugly. So, I mean, it, you're absolutely right. A lot Like the whole male aesthetic. I find her. It's, it's absolutely hideous, like the blue hair. In nature, like brightly colored feathers or uh, often denotes that you're poisonous. <laughs> it's Just, like yeah. if a bug is really brightly colored it often means don't eat it because people listening to this who are on instagram and follow the herbalist world it's the gal with long dreadlocks and weird razor sharp shark teeth well that's so, that's just creepy 
I know. I'm like, how did your teeth get that way? That's actually, that's actually simple. <laughs> and why would I want to take advice from you? Simple as that's creepy. All right, listeners. Uh, if, if you like hearing us say that feminists are often hideous, then <laughs> you should sign up for our Patreon, support the show, help us continue to make it possible. There's a link in the description there. If you do that, you'll get access to our, our patron exclusive podcast, which is called In the Kitchen because we are based. And uh, that's just for patrons. So there are a whole lot of episodes, like 30 or 40 now, that you can get in, in addition to the ones we make every week. <laughs> Get a Feed the Patriarchy mug there. And uh, as always, thanks to our sponsors. Go support them as well. They help make the show possible. And we'll see you next time on Bright Hearth. Bright Hearth.